All right, while we're receiving that offering, I want to ask all of you and those of you joining us online at home to take your Bible, if you brought one, and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. When you get to Isaiah, find chapter 64, and just hold that ready for a moment. Can you believe that we are just 17 days away from Christmas? I mean, that sounds crazy to say, but that's the truth. I know Christmas sneaks up on many of us every year, but I think this year in particular, since Thanksgiving fell so late in November, November 28th, that we turned around and it seems like Christmas is right here and uh, we have very little time to prepare for all the different activities that Christmas can bring. Of course, your attitude toward that really depends on what your attitude is toward Christmas. And I find that most people fall into one of two extremes. First of all, there's the Ebenezer Scrooge approach to Christmas and you start complaining about Christmas the day after Halloween. You don't stop until it's over. Christmas is too commercial, it's too secular, it's too pagan, it's too materialistic, it's too whatever, you can fill in the blank. On the other side, or the other extreme to that, is the Clark W. Griswold approach to Christmas. And you can't wait every year to get started planning your fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. You know what? I watched the movie Christmas Vacation several times throughout the month of December. Have you ever noticed that there are certain movies when you're at home and you're channel surfing, when you come across those movies, there are certain ones that you just got to stop and watch at least for a few minutes. I watched a little bit of Christmas Vacation when I went home last night after Saturday night church. Uh, my favorite line from Christmas Vacation is spoken by Clark's wife, Ellen, one of the kids is complaining about Christmas and she says, I don't know what to say except it's Christmas and we're all in misery. <laughs> Sometimes Christmas can feel that way. Speaking of the movie Christmas Vacation, I found what I think is a really funny uh, news clip this last week. Uh, there is a, a neighborhood in Austin, Texas that has one of those annual contests for decorating your house at Christmas. I know that happens a lot of places. I'm sure it happens a lot of places here in this area. But one family, in an effort to win, decided that they were going to decorate their home right out of a scene from the movie Christmas Vacation. It's the scene where Clark is hanging the lights on the house and he gets separated from the ladder and he's hanging from the gutter. If you know the movie, you'll remember that scene. But this is a really funny clip. I want you to watch it with me for a moment. Sometimes Christmas wishes do come true. I hope he falls and breaks his neck. But unlike Warner Bros. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, all this Northwest Austin homeowner wanted was to win the annual neighborhood contest. Instead, they gave a passerby a nearby heart attack. He was doing everything he could to get the ladder and, and like, save Clark. All right. called 911. Here's an Austin police officer stopping by the house moments later. I've seen it before. I mean, I've seen this other places before, but people start calling in. Okay. He, he didn't give up. He was going to save whatever he had to do. He was going to save old Clark Griswold. Leah Wheelis's sister and brother-in-law live here. They felt awful when they saw the Nest Cam video and the poor guy's reaction. It had only been up for a day, right? Only had been up for one day. And so we actually put up a sign because we didn't want that to happen to anybody else. We felt so bad that Clark G is part of our Christmas display. Please do not call 911. <laughs> I thought that was a really funny clip. But at the end of the day, whether or not you fall in the category of uh, being like Ebenezer Scrooge or the category of being like 
Clark W. Griswold, most people will agree that Christmas really is the most wonderful time of the year because the message of Christmas is that when we needed it the most, God stepped into our lives in the most personal way by sending His Son Jesus into the world. And so what we're doing at Mount Pleasant is we're spending the month of December focused on a series called Vintage Christmas. And we begin this weekend, and we'll take it all the way through our final service, our 11 o'clock service on Christmas Eve. The word vintage, when you think about it, means quality and authenticity. We talk about vintage cars. We talk about vintage clothes. We talk about vintage wines and on and on and on. The idea is that something that is labeled as vintage really is better than anything else. And so what I want to do is spend some time each week talking to you about what we might do, the steps we might take in order to make sure that we experience a vintage Christmas this year. And I'm going to use this unusual passage from Isaiah chapter 64 today. And so if you've got your Bibles open there and you're able, if you're not, that's okay. But if you're able, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the Scripture. If you're a guest, we do this pretty much every week. Uh, We make the public reading of Scripture a part of our service, and because we have such respect for God's Word, we stand when we read it. Now, admittedly, this is an unusual passage for a Christmas sermon, but you just bear with me. Follow along as I read the first nine verses of Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no eye, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right and remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry. Beyond measure, O Lord, do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. All right, there it is. Go ahead and be seated. We always ask for God to bless the reading and the hearing of his word. I don't have time to give you a lot of detail about Isaiah 64, but I do need to give you some context. First of all, the book of Isaiah is primarily written as a prophetic book to God's people. But Isaiah chapter 64 in that passage we just read is written as a prayer. To be even more specific, it's written as a prayer of lament. Now, the word lament means sorrow or regret or mourning. And a prayer of lament is when we cry out to God for help. And that's what we see here. It's an expression of sorrow, regret, and mourning, but it's also a desperate cry out to God for the kind of help that only God can bring into our lives because we believe No matter what's happened in our lives, no matter how many mistakes we have made in our lives, no matter how bad things might look in a moment, there's never a time when God stops caring for us. There's never a time when God stops caring for his children. And that's what I want us to think of this weekend, because we have a lot of needs in our world today. Wouldn't you agree with that? Our world is broken. Our world is divided. Our world is violent Everywhere you look, people are angry. 
There's suffering everywhere you look. And it's not just suffering on a global scale. There's suffering on a personal scale as well. And while the worldly decorations and the worldly celebrations of Christmas can cover up and camouflage that and all of those things for a little while, they can't cover it up completely and they can't take it away. And that's why in order to have a vintage Christmas this year, what we need to do is we need to cry out to God and we need to ask God to once again step into our lives, step into the need of our lives and make himself known. And so why I've chosen this passage, this unusual passage from Isaiah chapter 64 is because when I read this passage, I see three words in there that I believe if we embrace can really help us experience a vintage Christmas. It's not that there are three words that I'm going to take out of the text. It's three words that I discern from the text that I really believe that if we embrace can help us experience a very special, authentic, and genuine vintage Christmas. And if you like to take notes, write down next to number one, the very first word. The first word that jumps out to me is the word dependence. We want to experience a vintage Christmas this year, then we need to have complete and total dependence on God. If you look at Isaiah 64 and verse 1, this is how the passage begins. Speaking to God, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. That's the way it begins. Scroll down to verse 9 and look at the way it ends. The last two lines of verse 9 say, oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Now, what's Isaiah saying here? He's saying, God, we need you, and we need you now. We need you to step into our lives, and we need you to do it today because we're not doing a very good job of handling our lives and handling life and handling this world on our own. That becomes even more clear when you look at verse 6, at least the first part of verse 6, where it says, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. This is, again, Isaiah just stating the facts. Listen, God, we need you because every good thing that we have, every good thing that we can find in and of ourselves at the end of the day is nothing more than like filthy rags, at least in comparison to you. We need you. We can't make it on our own. We're not doing a very good job handling life on our own. I think that's something that every honest person would have to acknowledge. In fact, let me just ask all of you a question, and I'll ask this question to those of us who are joining us online this morning. Can you think of a single area of life in this world where we don't need the intervention of God? One single area? How about international relationships? I think we need the intervention of God there. I, I, in my lifetime, I can't remember a, a time when the, the world powers were more suspicious of each other than they are today. There may have been times like that. I'm just limiting it to my amount of life in this world. How about human rights? Do you think we need the intervention of God when it comes to human rights? You look around the world and people are suffering everywhere around the world and women and children in different parts of the world are being sown and sown uh, or... or sold into the worst kinds of slavery imaginable? How about the political climate of our country today? Do you think we need the intervention of God there? Social issues, moral issues, education, marriage, family, finances, on and on and on. We need an intervention from God. We need His power and His righteousness in our lives because so many of us are just really doing a poor job of handling life on our own. 
If you've, if you've ever been through a 12-step program or you're at least familiar with 12-step programs, then you know that the very first step in that program is all about admitting your need. In fact, if you were in a 12-step program for Alcoholics Anonymous, which is probably the most well-known, then, or, and this obviously where it all began, then this is step one. We admitted we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. We admitted that we were powerless and our lives had become unmanageable manageable. I'm sure that there are people here who need to make that same admission about their life today. It might not be that you have a powerlessness over some kind of addiction like alcohol. I don't know. Maybe that is an issue for you. But all of us are powerless on our own over a variety of different things. We often find ourselves powerless over temptation, the many temptations that our enemy, the devil, places in front of us. We find ourselves powerless over the emotional issues of our lives, whether it's uh, anxiety or fear or depression. We find ourselves powerless over stress and conflict, and you can go on and on and on. The bottom line is we've got a great need. And really, it's fitting to admit that when we think about Christmas because that's why the Christmas story that we celebrate even happened because we have a great need. God sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin because we needed it. God sent Jesus into the world to show us with his life how God wants us to live because we needed it. God sent the Holy Spirit into the world to dwell within us as believers to give us power because we needed it. God entered the world and intervened in human history and the person of Jesus at Christmas to provide salvation and peace and hope and power and on and on because we needed it. We're hopeless without him. And so the first step to having a genuine and an authentic Christmas, one that's special, a vintage Christmas, is to be willing to admit that and depend completely on God. The second word that jumps out to me from the text here, if you take notes, write this down next to number two, is the word expectation. And I look back to what is probably my favorite verse in this passage. It's Isaiah 64 and verse 4, where Isaiah writes, Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, now note this, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. I love that verse. What do you think Isaiah is saying? Well, I think it's really simple, friends. He's saying that we need to live our lives with the expectation that something good is going to happen because, and these are the words of Isaiah, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And so if you're a person of faith, you need to believe with this relentless hope, this relentless optimism, this relentless belief that God is always at work, that he's always preparing, he's always getting ready to do something good always. There's a great story connected to waiting that's connected to Christmas. It's in Luke chapter 2. After Jesus was born and after Joseph and Mary waited the right amount of time, the time prescribed by the law, they took him to the temple to be circumcised. And when they got to the temple, there was a man in the temple named Simeon who's described in the Bible as being righteous and devout. And at some point in his life, the Holy Spirit had told Simeon that he was not going to die until he saw, literally with his eyes, he saw what my NIV Bible calls the Lord's consolation or the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Well, the word consolation there in the original language in the New Testament is the Greek word 
paraklesis, and it means consolation, comfort, or solace. And the idea is that when the Messiah, and that's who Jesus was, when the Messiah came, he would bring consolation, comfort, and solace to Israel, to the Jewish people who had been waiting so long for this promise to happen. Well, somehow when Mary and Joseph showed up at the temple, Simeon just knew that that was the baby he was waiting for, the one that he was waiting for. And so he took him in his arms, and this is what he said, beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 29. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people's Israel. And so here we find this man, Simeon, who was waiting for God. He was waiting on God. He was waiting for the day when God would show up. He was waiting for the day when God would do something good. Now, how long do you think he was waiting? I don't know. We don't know for sure, but most students of the Bible believe he was waiting a very long time. And we need to learn from Simeon. Let me just say this to you again this morning. There's never a moment in your life when God is not at work preparing to do something good that only God can do. Sometimes he'll do something good for you. Sometimes he'll do something good through you. But most of the time, he's going to do something good in you. And part of being a Christian, again, part of being a person of faith is living with that expectation, living with that optimism, living with that hope and that belief. And again, that's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas really is that God had promised that he was going to do something special, that he was going to do something good that only he could do. And his people waited a long time for that to happen. But it did happen. He, he made that promise through the prophets. He revealed it through Mary and Joseph, what happened in their lives. He confirmed it to those shepherds who were watching over their flocks in a field just outside of Bethlehem. And it reminds us that no matter what's going on in our life, God is always at work in our life. He's always getting ready to do something good, and we have to live with that expectation. Now, honestly, this might be the word that speaks to our hearts the most today because I think we would all agree that waiting on God, waiting for God is sometimes difficult. And along the way, isn't it so easy to get discouraged and feel like giving up? Because God's timetable is very seldom the same as ours. But this is what we need to remember we need to live with this kind of expectation. We need to have this relentless optimism and belief that God, at just the right time, is going to do something good. The third word I've got written down here is the word submission. And I go back to verse 8 of Isaiah 64 where Isaiah writes and says, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So much of the time, Christmas is a holiday that doesn't turn out the way we want it or a time, a season that doesn't turn out the way we want it because we want it to be absolutely perfect. And what we do is we focus all of our time and all our attention on doing what we can do to make it the most wonderful time of the year. We try to create a perfect Christmas. 
But if you really want to have that genuine, authentic, vintage Christmas, what you need to do is focus on submission. In fact, this is the way we should think about Christmas. This Christmas, instead of being laser-focused on a mission to try and do everything you can to make this the most wonderful time of the year, you need to let go of that and focus on the kind of submission that allows God to do in your life and in your family what He wants to do, what He needs to do in order to make this the most wonderful time of the year. We need to let Him be the potter and shape our lives and shape the holiday. One of my favorite, most memorable church hymns from my childhood, and I'm sure many of you would say the same, is the old hymn, Have Thine Own Way. And the words were so meaningful. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Listen to me. In fact, maybe you should write this down somewhere and you should say these words out loud every day between now and Christmas. This is a powerful truth. When your life is lived in submission to God, you put yourself in position to experience the blessing of God. I'm going to say it again because I don't think it's on the screen. Write this down somewhere. When your life is lived in submission to God, you put yourself in position to experience the blessing of God. Isaiah 64 and verse 5, the very first part of the verse says, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. God, I know that you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. And the right thing for us to do is make sure that in all things, our lives are submissive to the will of God. And so with those three words in our minds this morning, I wonder if there's anyone here in this service, anyone who's watching me online, who really, really needs God to step into their life or into their family this Christmas. I mean, you're going through a difficult time. Maybe it's an emotional issue that you're struggling with. It's depression, anxiety, fear. Maybe there's some conflict in your family. Maybe there's some trial that you're walking through alone or together. It could be any number of things. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning who genuinely, honestly needs God to step into their life this Christmas. That can happen, friends. That can happen for you if you depend on God alone, if you're willing to wait on Him with the expectation that He's going to show up at the right time and do something good, and if you're willing to live a life of submission. But just to make it even more real, here's what I would like to do this morning. I would just like to pray for you. We would like to pray for you. If you're somebody who really genuinely needs God to step into your life or your family this Christmas, in a very specific way, we would love to pray for you. We're going to close our service in a little bit of a different way. Normally, at this point, we would all stand and we would sing a song of worship together, but Heidi's going to come, and she's going to share a very special song. And I'm going to have prayer counselors down front. And I know it'll be a little bit different and maybe even feel a little awkward to you because you're going to be seated. You're not going to be standing. But while she's singing, if you really need God to step into your life this morning and you feel that leading, you feel that conviction, would you just come and let somebody pray for you? We, in every service so far, we've had people come. And I appreciate that so much, that kind of honesty and that 
kind of openness. It, don't, don't even worry about what someone around you might be thinking because you know what? At the end of the day, everybody look at me right now for a moment. At the end of the day, there's only one thing that all of us have in common. You know what that is? We're all a bunch of broken people with a lot of needs. That's it, every one of us. And if that brokenness is really powerful in your life and you need God to step into your life this Christmas, then take a step toward him by coming down and letting somebody pray for you. I'm gonna pray, Heidi's gonna sing, our prayer counselors will be down front and I'm gonna encourage you if you have a need to come and let them pray. Father in heaven, thank you now for spending a few minutes in the scriptures today and help us, help us, Father, to be dependent on you in this holiday season, this Christmas season, to live with a relentless expectation that you are at work in our lives, even when we don't see it, that you are gonna show up at the right time, you are gonna do something good and help us to submit to you along the way as we wait. Help us also to be honest about our need and to bring it directly to you. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.